Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about something that a lot of us deal with. I feel like I say that a lot. And that is, you know, the balance of trying to help our kids with their anxiety or OCD and trying to be their coach and also gauging their reactions. And so I want to talk about when we're trying to call out our kids' anxiety or OCD, which we should be doing as kind of their their coach and their cheerleader. You know, I'm sorry OCD is doing that for you. I'm sorry anxiety is causing that for you because we want them to connect that mind-body connection. We also want them to to get that we realize that they're struggling and that it's an anxiety and OCD struggle. But sometimes we get the claws. (laughs) We get the words, we get the acid, we get the full kit and caboodle. We get a very nasty response. And so I want to talk to you about that today. It will be a shorter podcast episode because I am opening up the AT Parenting Community this week, which is not the week that you're listening to this. I record this a week ahead of time and it's a very busy Monday. And I'm like, oh my gosh, when am I going to do my podcast? And so I was thinking about what to talk about today because for some reason, I completely spaced the fact that I actually have a podcast that I actually need to be doing. (laughs) And I thought I had this really rough situation with my daughter two days ago, and I thought it would be a great thing to talk about as far as other parents being in similar situations. And then ironically, I did get a comment or a question in the AT parenting community that was very much similar to what I had experienced this week. So I thought, what a, what a perfect topic. So before I dive in, I do want to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by NoCD, and I really appreciate that. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy available in the U.S. and in many countries outside of the U.S. So you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation. Just even see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That is treatmyocd.com and check it out. They've got a lot of great providers and they're they're expanding. So I love that. All right, let's talk about our angry kids. <laughs> so it is good for us to label our kids' anxiety or OCD, but we also have to gauge when is a good time and when is not a good time. So a lot of times I'm going to give you suggestions and tips, and I'm even going to use my kids as an example. And that doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to work for you all of the time in every situation, right? We have to discern when is a good time, when is not a good time. And I know sometimes I struggle with that. And sometimes I actually know it's not a good time and I still do it because I know my kid and I know I can push them a little bit farther. And even though they're going to have a really extreme reaction, I know we're going to process that later. And that may not be the case for your kids. So we really have to understand our kids and weave in the approaches I'm talking about in a way that's going to be effective for them in the language that will be heard for them. Because somebody else actually had asked me a question in the forums in the AT parenting community, which I'm sorry is actually closed right now. (laughs) We opened the doors last week for you in real time, and we opened them back up a little bit after 2022. So probably in February. So you can get on the wait list at atparentingcommunity.com. I'm sorry, you just missed the deadline. But somebody else was asking, I had used my son as an example 
and talked about kind of using some tough love and talking to him about how OCD is his responsibility. And, and she was saying how that wouldn't work for her child, you know, and, you know, the child's more sensitive. And, and that really kind of goes back to knowing your kids, you know, really knowing your kids and taking whatever you hear, whether it's from me or other people and applying it in the way that will be most effective for your kids. All right. So let's talk about this calling out anxiety or OCD when a child is angry. So in general, let me just talk about calling out anxiety and OCD. It can be helpful for us to say something like, I'm sorry, your OCD is giving you a hard time, or I'm sorry, your OCD is trying to talk to me, but I don't talk to your OCD. Or I'm sorry, your anxiety is making this not enjoyable for you. Or I'm sorry that anxiety is not wanting you to go. Just using examples, right? That can be very beneficial because we're separating out anxiety or OCD from our child and saying, I empathize with you. I validate that this is hard. Or, you know, OCD is trying to make me grow it and I'm not going to do that. And I love you, but I'm sorry that OCD is trying to talk to me right now. So it can be beneficial for lots of reasons. One, like I said, we really want to separate out our child or our teenager from their anxiety or OCD. Two, it helps them kind of connect the dots because sometimes they may not realize, oh my gosh, you're right. This is my anxiety or OCD. Now, sometimes it will go wrong and your child will get really angry and they're going to lash out at you. So you don't want to necessarily stop because your child's angry because if your child's anxiety or OCD is trying to get you to do something, and so they want you to, let's say you have separation anxiety and they really want you to stay and you're leaving and you're saying, I'm sorry that your anxiety or Mr. Anxiety or your Mr. Worry is making you feel so nervous that you're not safe. Yeah, your child's going to scream and kick and get really angry. Well, maybe not kick. It depends on your kid. But they're going to get very angry because you're not acquiescing to their anxiety or OCD's needs. So in that sense, that doesn't mean you're not, not doing anything right. It just means that you're doing something that your, anxiety, your child's anxiety or OCD does not like. And that's okay. I think sometimes we get so afraid of our kid's anger that we want our child to only have one emotion and that is happy or maybe two, content, happy, content. All other feelings make me uncomfortable because as a mom or a dad, I want you to be happy all the time and that makes me feel effective as a parent. That's not realistic. Our kids are going to cry. They're going to get angry. They're going to get upset. And that is part of the process of helping them, especially if their anxiety or OCD really involves you a lot of the time, which it does because it's a family affair. So even if they don't have OCD and want to, you know, complete their compulsion by confessing something to you and then you say it's okay and then they feel better or reassuring them that the food's not contaminated and then they feel better. Even anxiety will do this. You know, I don't want to go to school. And you're saying, you know what? You have a plan. We have the counselor there. You have to get in the car. You're going to get some anger from that. So just validating or calling out anxiety or OCD is not going to be the silver bullet magic sauce that you're hoping for. You're going to get pushback because when we're doing hard things and when we're teaching our kids to do hard things, it's, it's not a smooth process. It is a tug of war sometimes, and that is okay. However, this is the however part. If it doesn't involve you, and let's say your child's doing something and they're not impacting you, you might want to gauge their mood and say, you know, is this a time that I need to say, I'm sorry your anxiety is bothering you from across the room, 
or I'm sorry your OCD is bothering you, or should you leave it? You can always circle back and talk about it later. You know, when you were trying to eat that food and I saw that you were taking a lot of sips of water and I saw you were trying, but then you couldn't. I'm sorry OCD ruined that meal for you because I know you were hungry. I know you wanted to eat that. Or I'm sorry you didn't go out with your friends, you know, yesterday. I'm not going to say it at the time because if I say it at the time, they might bite my head off because they're already in like fight or flight mode. They're already heightened. But if I say the next day when they're calm, now some kids never calm down. And so you have to gauge your communication. But for my kids, the time that has passed, I can go back and revisit and say, you know, I'm sorry you weren't able to go out with your friends. I'm sorry your O-Cloud ruined that for you. You know, I really wish that hadn't happened for you. So the empathy is really important. And then I'm connecting the dots as I empathize. Now I'll tell you a situation that happened to us this week. I'm trying to think how it started. Oh, I remember how it started. <laughs> okay. So my husband used to love, we love together as a couple in Practical Jokers. And laughing is very good for the body and the soul. It's really good actually for the chemicals in your brain. They've done research on this. And so we stopped watching Impractical Jokers. I don't know, like the last year of our life kind of got heavy, you know, COVID and he wasn't working as much. And I don't know, but we stopped. We actually have seen them in person twice. And I love, I love Impractical Jokers. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like a I don't know. <laughs> Google it. You'll look at it. But it's like a couple of guys, a couple of guys who got together from high school or whatever, and they put themselves in situations that are uncomfortable or embarrassing. And it's hysterical. And it actually is very helpful for my social anxiety to watch them do things that actually make me want to cringe and hide under a pillow. So anyway, recently I said, you know, we should watch Impractical Jokers again because having that on in the background you know, it's funny and it's light and it reminds me of my husband who's passed away. And so I thought we'll start doing that now. Total tangent, but it's not appropriate really for kids. (laughs) I mean, my kids are 10, 12 and 18 and my 10 year old is like going on 20. And so, but you know, for, for those of you that are like, what's that show? Yeah, it's probably not appropriate, but that's my parenting decision and that's okay. So we're watching it and there's one episode and I've seen every episode except this new season. And so I knew it was going to happen and we're watching it. And, um, the challenge, cause they, they put each other in a challenge. So the challenge was that he had to, um, Sal had to like pee on himself. For those of you that watch the show, you probably know what I'm talking about. And so he's in an escape room and the joke is that he's going to have to actually wet himself and watch people's reactions. They put like, when they lose a challenge, they have to do something hard. And normally it's very like social anxiety producing. Well, for any of you who have listened to my podcast, you know, my daughter's sensory motor OCD is kind of expanded and she's got like a pee thing in general. She can't see other, she worries about other people having accidents as well. I thought we were done with that. We're never done with our themes. And this is a really good message to convey to you from my own mistake is that, you know, uh, an exposure day keeps OCD away. And a lot of times I don't practice what I preach and we haven't been doing pee exposures because she's been not having any sensory motor OCD issues and she's been doing really good. We hadn't been revisiting it a lot. And honestly, since, you know, the dad passed away, the dad, my husband in February, I've been, you know, pumping the brakes a little bit on exposures, especially with her because her grief has been so, so deep. And we've been doing a lot of exposures with my son but she seems like she's been doing okay. And so I haven't really been pushing it. Also, 
she's starting to get more like hormonal and a little bit like feisty. So I've been working on our communication again. And so anyway, this happened and she started to freak out and she's like, pause it, pause it, pause it. Does he actually do that? Does he actually do it? Mom, tell me, tell me. And I was like, this would be a great exposure because we used to do pee videos as an exposure and she went ballistic, ballistic and was screaming. This is not my OCD. It is disgusting and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'm sorry that O'Cloud is so big. I thought that O'Cloud was really small on this topic. It's not my OCD, right? So I called out her OCD and I even went and encouraged that we need to go back and do exposures. And I even pushed that maybe this would be a really good opportunity to watch this. (laughs) She's like, this is not a 10, mom. This is a 10,000. This is a big no. This will never happen. And then she like just turned her anger on me and really lashed out. Now, I didn't take it personally because I knew I wasn't talking to to my daughter at that time. I was talking to OCD and she was in rare form. I mean, she was writhing on the floor and screaming at me and I made it worse (laughs) because I made some comments I won't go into about normalizing pee and people have pee accidents and even adults have pee accidents. And, you know, when you, after you have a baby and even with me, with my bladder and, you know, and once she heard like, you have had, you know, like you can't hold your bladder. And I was like, you know, when I laugh, you know, or I sneeze, I've had three kids. (laughs) That was probably not the right thing to say at that time. But sometimes I kind of push my kids a little bit more than I would actually recommend other people to do it because I know my kids and I know they can bounce back and especially her. And so, yeah, she was not happy. And then she was like, I can't even see you anymore. And I did have this concern in my head all of a sudden that maybe I was going to turn contaminated because she doesn't have that theme yet. But I thought, oh my gosh, what if I just made myself contaminated? But we can't, we can't live like that. We can't walk on eggshells. My point is she was not reachable, obviously. And I didn't pull back, obviously, but I wasn't out of anger. It wasn't out of anger. It was just, I was sitting there and I was just, I wanted her to see how badly this issue is. And so I let it go. I turned the TV off. I wasn't going to force that one. Obviously that would be way too big of an exposure, but then, and then I kind of like settled her. We refocused, got her doing something else. She's a toucher. Like, so I, I said, come here. And like, she kind of curls into my lap and I just hugged her, got our dog Ruby, who's always very therapeutic and started to lick her. And then she was fine. But the next day, so that wasn't going to be the time for me to say, you know, you need to be doing a lot of exposures. I mean, I already said that when I wasn't holding back. And part of the reason why I didn't hold back and I kind of pushed a little bit is because she was saying it's not her OCD. And I knew we were going to process this the next day. And I really wanted her to see how badly it was, you know, that she really could not handle it because she thought she was like 99.9% done with this theme. And obviously this theme was dormant. And so the next day I talked about it and I said, whoa, O'Cloud is really trying to get some power back, right? Now she's calm and this is a good time to go back and revisit it. And she was open to talking about it. And so then I said, instead of preaching like I did in that moment, I said, what do you think you need to do about this? And she said, oh, I have to do more exposures. And I said, it seems like it's morphed, right? Because it's kind of whack-a-mole. It used to be that you were worried that you were going to have an accident. And she goes, yeah, I don't worry about that anymore. So I don't think I have a a big problem with that. And I said, yeah, you're right. But OCD is like chess and it just made another move. What move do you think that is? And so what I'm doing is I'm not spoon feeding her 
this information, I am getting her to process this and come up with her own answers. And so she said, well, I think it moved to now I'm really worried that other people are going to have an accident. And I said, what's the worst thing that can happen if someone else has an accident, right? Because we want to get down to that core fear. And sometimes they don't know. And sometimes it's so it's good to actually bring it up so they can think about it. Because sometimes the fear comes before the thought and then the thought catches up to the fear and then the thought is believed. It's actually crazy that way. And so she said, well, if somebody else has an accident, then I'm embarrassed for them. And then I don't want people to think that I know them or I'm a part of them. So it kind of goes back to social anxiety. And I said, I get that. But, you know, we're watching Sal on TV. No one's going to know that you don't know Sal, (laughs) you know? And she's like, but it just makes me uncomfortable, brings up all those feelings. And so I'm helping her understand why that's a trigger. And then I talked about her brother, which you probably shouldn't do. And I said, you know, he's on automatic pilot. He's starting to do exposures on him on, by himself. He continues to do exposures. I wonder, and I, I use that a lot, instead of telling her, I say, I wonder if that might be something that you want to do, or I wonder if that would be something that'd be helpful for you because you don't want to get mad at people around you. You know, and I started to talk about how it impact her in a very soft way, still gauging, am I pushing her away? Is this okay? Is she receiving this? And it was a good conversation. She was like, you know, yeah, you're right. I have to do exposures. And so it's tricky right now because it's our first Christmas without my husband. So I'm, you know, I have to, you know, decide when to pump the gas and when to pump the brake, especially with these other issues going, going on. But that is something that is not going away, even though I didn't talk to her about that today or yesterday, that is, that's in my head. And it's now on my mental to-do list to circle back and not tell her to do exposures at this point, because we're kind of far into the game, but to suggest, Hey, you know, do you want to do some exposures? What do you think would be helpful? I can give her breadcrumbs and my daughter will like figure it out and be like, I should watch some P videos. Or even if I can, my goal ultimately is to get that video, which I'm sure is on YouTube or I can find it on Hulu and to maybe just have her watch a screenshot of just the scene and then build up to the screenshot of him peeing. And then eventually we'll build up to the actual video. You do want to go back to the trigger point, not like a trauma situation. I think sometimes people think like, oh my gosh, you know, three years ago, I got really sick and I threw up and that's why I have the fear of throw up. No, that's not why you have the fear of throw up. It was just a trigger. But, and so I don't think you have to revisit that unless, you know, you won't go to the area that you threw up or you're not wearing certain clothes. But let's say a child's watching a cartoon and they see a scene that's upsetting and it was, it was developmentally appropriate. And maybe there's a bigger core fear there. Maybe it's moral OCD or maybe it's something else. They're going to turn into that character. And so you're going to address the core fear, right? And I talk about this in my online courses, but also it's good to circle back to that initial OCD or an anxiety trigger. And so we will trigger back. I mean, we will trigger back. (laughs) We will circle back to that trigger. I'm not going to say that to her right now and say, hey, we're going to definitely watch that video eventually, but that's in my mental to-do list. Okay. Well, I'm so sorry that this is a short episode, but hopefully it had some gems in it and got you thinking about your own situations and where these things are happening for you. My favorite way to live life is to experience it, mess up, fix it, and then teach you. (laughs) Bring my clinical skills and my mom skills all in one to this episode. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I really hope that you guys enjoy the holidays for those of you that celebrate it. 
and I will be talking to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.